This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Equity Minds! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to the Equity Mates Summer Series of 2020, brought to you by Superhero. Superhero are offering $5 brokerage flat fees and also $0 brokerage on all ETF transactions, which is an amazing deal, Ren. But anyway, that's not why we're here. Over the next 12 episodes, we're going to be diving into some of Australia's largest and most well-known companies, as selected by you, the Equity Mates community. We'll be unpacking the company, its industry, the outlooks, and key financials, and in some instances, We'll also be taking the tough questions straight to the CEO of the companies. To do this, as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm good, bro. I'm very excited for this episode. We're talking about a company that is very close to your heart. Yes. Now, unfortunately, we don't have the CEO, although he is on our wish list for 2021. Mm. So if anyone's working at this company and wants to put in a good word for us, please do. But the company we're talking about is CSL. And... The reason it's close to your heart is because at the start of the year, you made a bold prediction that CSL would be Australia's biggest listed company by the end of the year. Mm. At the time, Commonwealth Bank was the biggest company on the Australian stock market. And for a while there during COVID, you were looking... Very God, good in that prediction. Good, wasn't I? It hit you, 340. You wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> that is Honestly, not true. just kept, uh, <laughs> probably texted me at least once a day, sometimes <laughs> twice a day, telling me how you nailed your bold prediction. <laughs> I think you had a t shirt made, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you see the skywriting I did? CSL love hearts either side. You were looking good. CSL were the most valuable company in. Australia mm, by mm, mm. a couple of tens of billions of dollars, mm. I think, at the time. Right now, at time of recording, they have slipped a little bit and Commonwealth Bank have come back a little bit. Commonwealth Bank is currently valued at $143 billion, yep. whereas CSL is valued at $139 billion. Oh, it's neck and neck. So it is neck and neck. Things could change in a day. By the time people are listening to this episode, it may have changed. So to kick off the episode, I'm going to ask you to either walk away or double down on your bold prediction. CSL, at time of recording on the 30th of November, are currently $4 billion less valuable than the Commonwealth Bank. Yeah. On the 31st of December, or whatever the last trading day for the ASX is in 2020, which will be higher? 
it's going to be Commonwealth. Really? Yeah. You're yeah. walking away from your bold prediction. No, no, for the actual year long, I'm going to stick with it for that, for the episode wrap up that we do. But for, the, for these what? purposes, the reason being, I think there's a lot of money coming into the banks at the moment with what's going on with interest rates and the broader macro piece. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. I can't see CSL making up a $4 billion deficit in the next 30 days. Let's put it that way. Well, look, just to take the opposite side of the bet, I'll take But I would love to see it. Let's put a six-pack on it. Sure, (laughs) sure. Nice one, Ren. So, yes, we are here to talk about CSL. As always, the structure of the episode will be a bit of a summary about the company. We'll touch on the industry and some of the major competitors for CSL. Have a look at the outlook and some of their future plans. Dig into the financials. Now, this is a company that some of the financials are looking pretty good. Big profits, pretty big good. profits. <laughs> there will and be a valuation will, that can come out of this because one. <laughs> of the, and because of that, we will be talking valuation. So, Ren, without further ado, let's jump straight into it. CSL, one of the biggest companies on the stock market, is a global leader in developing and delivering high-quality medicines that treat people with very rare and serious diseases. So at a time like COVID, they're playing a pretty major part in what is going on at the moment. As you said at the start of the show, they're called the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories. If well, they, you're, they were they, called. They were, yeah, CSL. Founded in 1916, so it's been plugging away for a while now. It was an Australian government body that manufactured vaccines, but it was privatised, obviously, when it was Commonwealth and then listed on the ASX as CSL Limited in 1994. And by goodness, if you were lucky enough to get it on that IPO and hold it, it would have done incredibly well for you. Forget Telstra, you would have wanted to own CSL. This is a company that if you do a zoom out and look at their overall stock price movement since it listed in 94, it's pretty phenomenal, a great compounder. So that is the briefest of introductions to what they do, but they are broken down into two really, I guess, main clear distinct businesses. Ren, the first one being CSL Bering, is that how you pronounce it, do you reckon? Yeah, Yeah. Bering. And then Sequirius or Sequirius. I was just going to avoid saying either of those names. (laughs) Well, you can't do that. (laughs) So let's start with the CSL Bering, which is the first half of the business and probably the, well, it It is is the major chunk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They manufacture plasma and recombinant based therapies. So we had to look up what that meant. And that really means therapies that involve DNA technology. Yeah. It's like blood plasma and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so pretty technical and specialist medicines and therapies. And this part of the business accounts for more than 85% of their revenue. To make it more simple, what they are building medicines and treatments for are people with issues with immunology and neurology, cardiovascular and metabolic issues, thrombosis, respiratory and transplant therapeutic areas as well. Uh, did, All did, out of my circle I of was going to say, you just said uh, to make it more simple and then you just threw a whole bunch of medical jargon out there. Did that make it more simple? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, look, they're on the cutting edge of creating treatments for a whole bunch of diseases and illnesses. The other half of their business Sequirus, as you labelled it before, which I think is right, is their influenza business. It, it produces flu vaccines. It acquired that relatively recently, five years ago, from another biotech company, Novartis. Yeah. Just to give some more context, this flu vaccine business is the second largest in the world. It also creates some antivenoms yeah. for like snake bites. Particularly important in Australia, given we've got some of the world's most poisonous snakes and spiders. I think it's worth mentioning, though, that this is certainly one of those 
great Australian stories where it is yeah. now a global player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, CSL is a company that Australians should be particularly proud of. Yeah. Not that Bryce doesn't have a BHP and Rio Tinto poster on his wall and that <laughs> not that he isn't proud of all the coal and iron ore that we're able to dig up and ship overseas. But, any <laughs> but CSL, it's a true Australian success story in the realm, but you know, more impressive even than, you know, the cochleas and the resmeds and stuff of the world. These Australian healthcare technology companies that are really punching above their weight. It's an awesome company. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's let's stop fanboying and get into it. So CSL operates in 35 countries around the world. It did a scratch over $9 billion in revenue in US, uh, in US dollars, but globally in the last financial year. One thing that I quite like about CSL and I think is quite impressive is that they invest heavily in research and development. So every year they spend about 10% of their revenue on research and development and it just creates a product pipeline for them. The thing with biotech and pharmaceutical companies is that there's quite heavy research and development requirements to begin with and then they go through the approvals process and then there's quite a long tail in which to commercialize these innovations and these treatments and these drugs and stuff like that. And so the fact that CSL is willing to invest so much of their revenue back into research and development, but more importantly, historically have been quite good at in using that R&D spend to produce products because there are companies that invest a lot in research and development but don't get much for it. But the fact that CSL are good in their research and development in coming up with a product pipeline of new innovations just means that it's a company that is setting itself up for future growth. So CSL has 27,000 employees around the world and of that under 2,000 work in sort of R&D roles. Mm. Just to rattle off some numbers, over 270 blood plasma collection centers across Europe and North America. They opened 40 in FY20. They work with the Australian Red Cross to collect blood in Australia. They expect to add another 20 to 30 collection centers this financial year. They registered another 29 new products in FY20. They're the second largest ASX listed company. We'll see if they're the largest. And as a nod to their culture, they've got good gender diversity. 57% of their employee base is female. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll review my bet because it was only seven days ago that they were the largest and they've come off 4%. Well, no, so. we've made the bet and we put a, we put a six pack on it. I'm still uh, calling it. I'm still calling it. Anyway, <laughs> Ren, you mentioned there they have 270 plasma collection centers around Europe and North America and this is obviously the way in which they collect all of the plasma and use it in their sort of product pipeline. And this is where COVID really comes to play. CSL has underperformed in 2020 in comparison to previous yeah. years. Important caveat. It though. is up 15% year to date, which in itself is, is great given the sheer size of the company. However, if you look back over FY17, 18 and 19, it's up 42%, 33% and 50% respectively. So that's where you can see there is underperformance coming into play. And the reason for that is in the shorter term, I guess the market is a little concerned about the supply of blood plasma into Daring Division, its, its main business, and what issue that lack of supply is going to have on future growth. 
And you might be asking, well, why is there a lack of supply? Whilst they do have a huge range of collection centres globally, which they do, I guess, rely on heavily for blood donations, COVID has actually left people less interested in donating blood through fear of contracting COVID, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, less interested maybe a bit of a pejorative statement, is that? Yeah, I don't like, know. Maybe it's just people are less able to. Yeah, I was going to say, you're actually not able to go out there and give blood if you're in lockdown. But it's, it's an interesting side effect of COVID that CSL is now experiencing reduced volumes in the amount of plasma and blood that they are able to collect. The impact of this is actually going to be unknown given the manufacturing cycle of COVID. So they have a quite a long manufacturing, <laughs> manufacturing cycle of COVID. Uh, sorry, of, of CSL, of CSL. So the impact of this is a little unknown, which I guess is why the share market is now treating it as a bit more cautious. I guess the reliability of its pipeline is coming into question now. So I guess if you're a CSL shareholder, go to the Red Cross and donate blood. True, true. <laughs> At the same time, the other major impact of COVID has been CSL have been working with the Oxford vaccine. So that's in partnership with AstraZeneca, the pharmaceutical company. And they've agreed to produce a number of doses, I think 30 million doses for Australia. They've also agreed to produce about 50 million doses of the University of Queensland vaccine for the Australian government. So CSL will have, I guess, some short-term business in producing these vaccines. Fingers crossed for the world that producing COVID vaccines doesn't turn into a long-term business area for them because that'll indicate that COVID's around long-term. Mm. So they're involved in producing these vaccines in Australia. So that's CSL. Let's talk about the broader industry, I guess. Yes. So their big player is, or they're the big industry space that they're playing in is the global plasma market, which is growing at uh, roughly 8 to 10% per annum. So pretty reasonable growth for a business to be involved in. They're experiencing huge growth for demand of their key products in IG or otherwise known as immunoglobulins. Yeah. Uh, Ren, knowing the experience and history you have of studying medicine, are you able to tell us what immunoglobins is? Yeah, sure. So <laughs> immunoglobins are basically antibodies yeah. and they're produced by white blood cells and they're critical in you know fighting bacteria or viruses and stuff like that. And so that's what they are. So then the question is, well, where does growth come from for a company like CSL and particularly its products like IG? Well, they're obviously benefiting from increased diagnosis of you know illnesses in immunoglobins and also awareness of conditions that benefit from this sort of treatment. So there's the two areas in which they're growing. So I think maybe before you go too deep down the immunoglobins rabbit hole, just explain like I'm five cents. Basically, you know, a lot of these therapies can be used for people with immunodeficiency diseases. So you know, if their bodies aren't producing enough white blood cells or aren't producing the proper white blood cells, you can use these treatments to support the body to fight infections and viruses and stuff like that. That's one of the key business areas that CSL play in. And really, a lot of what their research and development is about is how do we use this, I guess, method of fighting disease and fighting viruses on more and more viruses. So they are part of, I guess, three major companies that play in this space. CSL, Griffles and Shire make up, I guess, the, the three top tier players. And between them, they have an estimated 80% market share in this space. So pretty large hold on the market. On the influencer side, as we mentioned, they do have a, a smaller part of the business. Securus holds 30% market share. So When um, you say influencer... 
Did you I mean say like influenza? Influenza. Securus <laughs> <laughs> is the second largest player in the four and a half billion dollar a year industry in 2019. So they're both playing in pretty big markets. Yeah. So the good thing with being a big player in this space is that it actually creates a barrier to entry in and of yeah. itself. And we often talk about moats on the podcast and a lot of the expert investors we speak to want to find a company with a moat, which basically protects them from their competition. In CSL's case, one of their biggest moats is in fact their size. Because a lot of what they do is quite expensive, the fact that they're able to operate at such scale, they have a cost advantage over some of their competitors. And that's actually reflected in their margins. So the three big players in this blood plasma business have considerably better margins than a lot of the smaller players, on average about 20 percentage points higher. So it just means that they have pricing power, they can reinvest that excess profit in you know more research and development and stuff like that, or they can invest it in continuing to grow, which in theory should make their moat even bigger. That's really one of their key moats. I guess the other key moat is that R&D that we talked about earlier. The fact that they're willing to reinvest so much of their revenue back into research and development creates a product pipeline that is difficult for competitors to get ahead of. And so as with all pharmaceutical and healthcare companies, you've got to stay ahead of what the best in class treatments are. And as an investor in CSL, what you'd hope to see is that CSL are able to stay ahead of the game, stay ahead of their competitors and build out that product pipeline and that cost advantage and really protect their business in that way. Nice, Ren. So we've spoken about uh, a bit of the company summary, some of the industry context and competitors and uh, its moat. And before we jump into the outlook for CSL, let's hear from our sponsors. Okay, so CSL, what's coming in the future? Unfortunately, we don't have contact to chat to their CEO. That will be our ambitions for 2021. Yeah, yeah. So we're relying on ourselves here, Ren. But I mean, what is to come for CSL in 2021 and beyond? Yeah, so I think the first thing that we keep touching on is that product pipeline and yeah. what that research and development is going to lead to. What they've said to the market is that they're focused on therapeutic areas where they have strong assets and established expertise and they really want to continue to come up with new treatments and new products and new therapies in, in those areas. You know, they're looking at things like cell-based vaccines rather than egg-based vaccines and stuff like that. But I don't think we want to go too far down the medical rabbit hole because neither you nor I have really any expertise to speak to that. No. But that's really the first thing. The second thing that they've spoken about in terms of their outlook, which I find quite funny that every company is finding a way to do that, is talking about data analytics AI and machine learning and CSL are talking about, you know, enhancing shareholder value and better serving their patients through the adoption of, you know, big data and new tech to improve their operations and increase their understanding of patient experience. They're talking about using data science and AI and machine learning throughout the business to facilitate a digital transformation. They're talking about integrating it more into their research and development. And of course, that's all going to happen. It's buzzword. Buzzword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough, I guess. Like, they, I'm sure they are doing it. You know, they're talking about things like using virtual reality to train employees at facilities and stuff like that. And yeah. I mean, equity mates are also going to be integrating data science, artificial intelligence <laughs> and, and machine learning throughout the business to facilitate digital transformation. <laughs> Hold on, can I invest? <laughs> 
Yeah, you're right, Ren. A lot of buzzwords, and it's not surprising to see as many, many more businesses these days turn to digital transformation. We've spoken about, you know, that likes of Salesforce and the cloud, and we've, you know, we, we've really touched on this a lot in 2020. There's no surprises there. What that actually really means and translate to in terms of revenue growth and bottom line, that's probably more of a unknown at this stage because a lot of it is just we've got to do this because everyone else is doing it. I am interested in this CSL 112, Ren. CSL 112 is CSL's largest ever clinical trial, currently in phase three trials. And this is what I like about it, is designed to remove plaque from arteries. You like it because you know that's a big risk factor in your future. <laughs> no, lying, lies, lies. <laughs> All that Car- uh, uh, deep fried food that you're eating. <laughs> no. <laughs> Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally. And if CSL can pull this off, then this is really going to be a game changer and a driver of growth for CSL going forward. I think, you know, if they can provide a product that really plays in this space, then well done to them. I guess the R&D is, is you know, going well, but uh, interesting to see if this comes off and, and how it can drive growth for CSL. Yeah. One of the cool things I like about this, other than the fact that it'll save your life from cardiovascular disease, is the trial uses waste products from donated blood. So mm. like parts of the blood that currently aren't being used and are just wasted, which, you know, I'm all about sustainability and it's a good recycling story as well. (laughs) (laughs) And then the big trend they're starting to play in as well, Ren, is the gene therapy. Now, this is, I guess, a controversial in some instances. You can see that it's going to be playing a big part in years to come as technology improves and they start to cure rather than treat gene-based illnesses and diseases going forward. So they are playing in this space as well. For people unfamiliar with gene therapy, CRISPR, which I can't remember what it stands for, but I don't think I'd even attempt to say it if I did, where you basically can edit genes is really coming in quickly. And a big part of that is that our understanding of like the human genome is just so vastly improved. The cost to map the first human genome ever was two and a bit over two and a half billion dollars. And now they can map the human genome for apparently it's like a few thousand dollars. Like the cost of that is just coming down massively and our understanding of genes and what that means for gene therapy and gene editing mm. is just pretty crazy. And like you can go down a pretty big rabbit hole with some of these things. You know, this is where the whole conversation around like designer babies and stuff comes in. And it's like, well, if you can edit someone's genes, can parents choose what color eyes their kids have or like what gender their kid is and stuff like that. And that's a pretty dystopian rabbit hole to go down. And it's some big ethical questions that the world is going to have to deal with. But the other side of gene therapy is that there is a whole bunch of diseases that are currently untreatable that will be able to be treated. Yeah. So, Ren, let's move on to the financials and have a crack at the valuation. Big, big top-line revenue coming in from CSL over the last few years. Currently, I think 2020, they did $9 billion in revenue. If you look at how they've performed over the last sort of four years, they've been growing year on year between sort of 7 to to 12%, which is r- roughly in line with the growth rate of the industry, to be honest. So you would kind of expect that. The good news, though, Ren, is that their profit is pretty substantial as well. So despite all their R&D, despite all of everything that I guess is going on, they turned over a profit of $2.1 billion. Yeah. And what you'll find is a lot of analysts when they talk about CSL, give talk about two numbers for CSL. They talk about CSL's like statutory profit 
And then they talk about CSL's profit excluding their R&D because, you know, the company's making a choice to, to reinvest that money in R&D, which is a good choice. But if they weren't investing so much money in R&D, their profit numbers would be even more impressive. Yeah. Their return on invested capital has been consistently above 20% rent. So pretty good returns there. So the management obviously know what they're doing in terms of allocation of capital. As you said, R&D is roughly 10 to 12% of revenue and that's that's paying dividends. So it's a profitable company earning good money in an industry that's growing reasonably well, 8 to 10% a year, not going to complain with that. So in terms of valuation, Ren? Before we get to valuation, I think talking about CSL, because we've been incredibly glowing about CSL and rightfully so, but it might just be worth taking two minutes to talk about risks because CSL aren't the only biotech company that invests heavily in R&D. And I think the important thing when you're investing in a company like this is just to understand that there are always risks to existing treatments from new and novel treatments coming out of pharmaceutical companies, coming out of universities, coming out of a number of different research facilities. And so some of CSL's like businesses may be doing incredibly well at the moment, but they've always got to stay ahead of the curve and new and novel treatments can come in that are cheaper or more effective or easier to distribute or less invasive for patients and stuff like that. And so that's the really difficult thing about investing in biotech. And, you know, we always talk about circle of competence, but this is where it really comes into play. And there's so much money being invested in this sector and in fighting different diseases and stuff like that. And to take your cardiovascular trial as an example, like potentially CSL are the best and the clinical trial works and there's a whole new business unit that's created there and a whole bunch more revenue and profit that's created out of it. Or potentially someone comes up with a better better solution for cardiovascular disease and that investment is worth naught and you know that, that opportunity goes away or they're you know, behind the eight ball in terms of where their technology is. So I think whilst CSL have had incredible growth and whilst there are no indications that any of that is going to slow and really the only question that a lot of people have about CSL is the price you have to pay for it, which we'll get to, that is just a risk that's always worth keeping in mind when you're talking about biotech. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ren, let's look at the valuation. So we can start with relative valuation and then we can have a look at the DCF. So if we're talking relative, we can look at the price to earnings. They are making money, so we are able to look at price to earnings. CSL currently trading at a 47 price to earnings. Now, you did mention there the exclusion of R&D. If you were to exclude their R&D, then they're trading a little bit cheaper at 35. In terms of their major competitors... Griffles is one of the big ones. It's trading at 31, so a little bit cheaper than CSL. Takata Pharmaceuticals, another a big player in this space, is almost twice as expensive as CSL at 102. But the industry average is 50 PE, so pretty in line with what CSL are currently Pretty in line, up. yeah. If we get to the discounted cash flow, now again, we say this whenever we do one of these, this is really just a sense check in some ways because the assumptions that you put in can just greatly differ the outcome. CSL is expensive, it yeah. is, is the long and the short of it. But the important caveat is that CSL has always been expensive. And People often talk about Amazon, how it always traded at a PE of 60. And a lot of people would never buy it because they're like, Amazon's too expensive at a price to earnings ratio of 60. Who's having the last yeah, laugh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it just continued an, a phenomenal growth rate and just compounded and compounded and compounded. And 
for many people, that's the story of CSL. You'll never be able to buy it at a price to earnings ratio of 20. You'll never be able to buy it at fair value that a discounted cash flow comes in at. You just really have to ask around like, what's the long-term outlook for a company like this? But in saying that, if we were to plug some numbers in and if we took their earnings per share, we used a discount rate of 10% and we used over the last 10 years, their earnings per share at an average annual rate has grown at 15.1%. So if you plug those in and then you use a 4% terminal growth rate after the 10 years, you're getting about 165 bucks a share. So it currently trades at 303. So it's expensive. Mm. I mean, if you flip it around and you do a reverse discount cash flow where you say, okay, the share price is 303. What is the growth rate built into the company using those same assumptions, using the 10% discount rate, using the terminal growth rate? That is telling you that the market is expecting it to grow its profit at 24% a year over the next 10 years. Okay. Which is higher than average in terms of CSL's past performance and it's higher than the industry growth rate. But the thing is, if this cardiovascular disease trial comes mm-hmm. off or you know, if they uh, uh, make a breakthrough in gene editing technology and gene therapies, then maybe that's conservative. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's expensive. It's always going to be expensive. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that I think it's a great company. Yeah, agreed. Well, massive thank you to Jesse who helped us with the research on this one. He's an Equity Mates community member. Hats off. You've done an amazing job. Also, a big thank you to the sponsors for the Equity Mates Summer Series of 2020, and that is Superhero, Australia's cheapest broker. They're offering $5 brokerage flat fee as well as $0 brokerage on ETFs. Unheard of here in Australia Great. until Superhero. Yeah. So, and if you want to own CSL, you could buy an ASX 200 ETF with no cost through Superhero. Yes. And CSL would either be the largest or the second largest holding, <laughs> depending on how CSL finishes the year. True. Come on, CSL. Anyway, Ren, always good to chat stocks and looking forward to the next episode. Nice one. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.